0: Thanks to Handy for supporting The Motley Fool. Handy is a cleaning service that provides an easy and convenient way to book home cleaning on a schedule that works for you. To get your first three-hour cleaning for $39 when you sign up for a plan, visit handy.com fool and use promo code fool during checkout. Welcome to Industry Focus, a podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market every day. I'm your host, Vincent Chen. It's Tuesday, August 7th. Joining me via Skype for this discussion is senior Motley Fool contributor Asit Sharma. Hey, Asit. Welcome back.
1: Hey, Vince. Hello, listeners. Hope everyone's week is swimmingly, uh, proceeding. proceeding swimmingly, I should <laughs> say.
0: <laughs> Good to have you here. Um, tell me if you've heard this before, because a common question that we get at The Fool, something that comes up a lot in our discussions of various stocks and companies, especially in the consumer retail sector, is, how can companies effectively compete against Amazon? Does this sound familiar?
1: I actually don't think I've ever heard that question posed <laughs> in this context. Uh, yeah, man. All the time, which is why I'm so excited to talk about this company that you have on for us today.
0: Exactly. So, this kind of discussion, it in turn, tends to lead to debates over what companies can be considered uh, Amazon-proof. So, this even includes some of my friends and family who aren't that interested in investing, but they'll still ask me about this. And some examples That we've brought up on the show before and described this way before are Home Depot, Costco Wholesale, Tractor Supply Company, Dollar General, and for one reason or another, these companies have managed to hold their own, if not thrived, even as Amazon disrupts a lot of other parts of the industry. So today we have another candidate for this Amazon-proof club, and it's a unique one because it too is focused in e-commerce as an online retailer. So it's competing right in Amazon's wheelhouse. The company's Wayfair, ticker W. Uh, Many of you. You have likely made purchases with Wayfair, if not browse the site or even become shareholders. Since the company has been a rule breaker recommendation since August 2015, but what sets Wayfair apart in its e-commerce efforts is its primary product category—that's furniture and home uh, goods—which has its own set of challenges in terms of the customer shopping experience, in terms of order fulfillment, and more. So the company. Was founded in 2002 by CEO and Co-Chairman uh, Niraj Shah and Co-Chairman Steve Conine. So, the company was originally founded under the name CSN Stores, and over a decade, CSN Stores became this umbrella of over 200 online stores that specialized in selling specific home goods and household items. So, think Strollers.com, Hotplates.com, Cookware.com, all these different sites. A big portfolio of them. And eventually, decided, the founders decided to consolidate all of these sites into Wayfair for a single unifying brand. So today, wayfair.com is the biggest part of the business, but it also operates four other sites Joss and Main, All Modern, Birch Lane, and Paragold to further target uh, specific customers and categories. So, uh, atar and some a theme that will kind of stretch throughout the show um, that makes Wayfair stand out is. The approach that I think it takes to the what, who, and how of its retail model, and we'll get to more of that uh, further in the discussion. But a question I t- like to start out with for you, Acid: Big things that jump out to you for this company. Um, what are the, some of the highlights?
1: So this company is in such an interesting area of e-commerce. Since the smaller-ticket items were the ones which grew in prominence first. If you look at the evolution of internet commerce. Consumer electronics, uh, small appliances, etc. The hardest, one of the hardest nuts to crack, is this market for bigger ticket items: sofas, uh, dining tables, etc. As you mentioned in your intro, the logistics are very hard to master. You have to move inventory to warehouses, uh, which is sort of middle mile. From middle mile, you get to the region where the customer. Lives and then you have last mile delivery, and that's yet another difficult part of um, completing the procedure from a shippers' perspective. Uh, the margins don't tend to be very strong. Amazon has uh, participated in this market for several years now, but it's been dominated up until uh, the 2010s on by companies which listeners are so familiar with, the Crate and Barrels um, and the uh, Williams and Sonoma of the world. So, this online market, which the companies I just mentioned haven't participated in as much, is wide open. And What jumps out at me is Wayfair, which has been competing in this space for quite a while. It had its IPO in 2014, um, I believe. So, Vince, 2002 to 2014, that's a really long lifetime in uh, online commerce. They are still growing at a really fast rate. This most recent quarter, which the company just reported on, uh, the company had $1.6 billion in sales that increased almost 49% year-over-year. Year. I'm extremely impressed by that. Uh, certainly piques my interest, uh, given that Amazon last year said it wanted a bigger chunk of this market. Um, and I'm interested in the fact that the company while has an extremely low gross margin, around 23 to 24%. It's able to operate on a slightly positive basis when you look at adjusted EBITDA, earnings before interest, taxes, depreciation, and amortization. And long-term, the management team has set its gross profit target for right where it is, around 25%, uh, they say, is optimal for the company to flourish. Um, so these things jump out at me. How did a small company manage to grow so quickly, maintain a very consistent formula of fast growth and stable margins? And I think some of the answer is in the way that it approaches the customer experience on its website. So I'll pass it back to you, uh, Vince, with a question for yourself. Um, I myself have browsed Wayfair recently uh, because, listeners, you may remember last summer uh, we were doing some painting. We moved on to uh, maybe getting some new furniture. Have you ever shopped on Wayfair or um, browsed their site?
0: Yeah, I was actually checking my email for this because I remember browsing the site in the past, but I couldn't remember if I actually bought anything. Search my email for Wayfair, 2014 food time mattress purchase was from them again this is a good example of the typical item that a lot of customers will look for um, larger uh, large parcel and uh, something that presents presents some challenges in terms of the logistics of the fulfillment behind that and i remember my experience in terms of buying that item getting it uh, unpacking it was all went all went very very well and again uh, with this home goods focus, uh, Wayfair values the annual US market at $275 billion, so a really big market opportunity. Um, they, say, they think that online penetration is around 10%. And the market size doubles when you add Europe, where the company has started to expand with younger operations in the UK and Germany, the bulk of its business still based in the US. Um, but adding those markets effectively doubles the opportunity. Uh, in their conference calls, for example, they see this overall. Revenue potential uh, for home goods at something like $600 billion, so a massive market. And With the customers that they focus on, um, the CFO recently, uh, at a investor conference, when very, very specific, defined their target customer as a woman, 70% of their customers are women, around 45 years old. With a median household income of eighty thousand dollars, you know this is somebody who, in terms of their disposable income, who's moved on from kind of the experiences. Uh, they have a family, they have kids, and they really want to create a home uh, that's comfortable for them and uh, a vision of uh, something that you know brings them joy each day. And the company also speaks to this tailwind of how the aging millennial population, uh, where the oldest millennials have and. Started to enter this phase of their lives where they are starting to buy homes, have families, and enter this demographic that's very uh, attractive for the company. And this is also a generation that's extremely comfortable shopping online. So the idea of buying a sofa uh, from Wayfair becomes less and less foreign and less and less intimidating. And uh, that's a kind of big tailwind, uh, big. Growth opportunity, I think, for the company It's really interesting. So that's kind of on the who, the what side, what they're selling, the who side, uh, in terms of who they're selling to. Um, but the way they sell also online. If you think about the typical furniture buying experience, you have to go potentially to many different stores to get uh, different styles, different price points. Uh, when you're looking at a more brick and mortar focused shopping experience, and Wayfair. Definitely touts having a really broad selection because, uh, and this is a really interesting idea. When you're shopping for furniture, you're shopping for home goods. It's one of the few times when you're buying something, where you might not know exactly what you want. You know, I've been helping my wife recently shop for a computer, and we immediately knew, okay, we're gonna go with brands like Lenovo, with Dell. We have a very clear vision of what she wants. But if you're buying, uh, Bar stools or a sofa or some other furniture you might not know yet. You're looking for inspiration in terms of what that entire interior decor will look like. And so, when Wayfair can boast 10 million products, 10,000 suppliers, it really gives them uh, a wide shopping experience that is harder for uh, their typical brick and mortar competitors, whether it's a specialty store or even a big box store, if you think about Walmart or Ikea, to necessarily replicate. And that's another really interesting uh, aspect in terms of what makes the experience so, uh, the shopping experience with the company uh, more compelling, in addition and on top of the Service side of the business where they're really focused. They have over 2,000 uh, kind of customer service representatives in-house, not outsourced, that are focused on answering questions, helping customers find the right products, and all these things kind of come together to compete uh, to create a pretty compelling experience in terms of e-commerce for a less traditional e-commerce product category. Um, so let's move on though um, into some of the strengths, and I think really help stand out because everything that we've described. You could say Amazon can replicate a lot of that. They're known for pretty good customer service. Uh, they have a massive product selection, but something that is a struggle here is in terms of the logistics and delivery. And uh, Wayfair hasn't invested a lot into that. Can you speak to um, how the company is kind of creating these competitive strengths through, for example, uh, Castlegate and also its Wayfair uh, distribution network or delivery network?
1: Absolutely. So. Um one of the problems that we mentioned before, big ticket items, is they are big, and if you want to compete in this business, you essentially have to build warehouses to inventory uh, your products. Uh, this company has several thousand suppliers, and they you know, range in size from very big concerns to um, very craft-oriented small outfits. That goes to this uh, speaks to this very large selection that Wayfair offers. So. Castlegate is the company's proprietary warehouse system, um, and they call this a forward position supplier inventory complex. That allows the company to deliver smaller parcels in one to two days, larger parcels in about a week plus. Um, The company says that suppliers uh, supply about approximately 65% of their inbound volume uh, into their delivery. This speaks more to the fact that um, the point-to-point delivery is extremely expensive. So, in building these distribution centers, it's got about four open in uh, these warehouses, it's got about four open in the United States, uh, one in Canada, one in the U.K., and one in Germany. In building up this warehouse capability, that, of course, decreases some of the company's cost in addition to serving the customer. Now, it also has a distribution network, which is slightly larger. They call this the Wayfair Delivery Network and about 90% of the company's large parcel orders flow through this delivery network in June. So why is this important? Uh, Amazon is famous for utilizing third parties for distribution uh, while it builds up its own capacity. Wayfair is following this same model. The problem from a shipping perspective with large parcels is that you can't fit them on what's called a truckload shipment. So the cheapest form of shipping is truckload, and if you've got 16 widgets or 160 widgets that are all the same, you can fit them onto one truck. This is how the logistic industry operates. If you have odd items, items of varying sizes, that will always go to a less-than-truckload shipment, which is more expensive. It is harder to route a less-than-truckload shipment uh, to the various endpoints, so by Creating this distribution network of its own, Wayfair is able to more economically handle what's called the LTL market, which gets the product to that last mile, Um, and as I mentioned before, the last mile is is something totally different in and of itself, which, by the way, uh, Wayfair has invested resources as well to make sure that when the product comes off the truck, it has its own people. Uh, taking that off. Part of the investment is making sure that it gets to the front door uh, in a manner which uh, finishes that great customer service from the investment in the employees who receive the call questions, which Vince mentioned, to it being unpacked.
0: So next up, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the growth that they're seeing, some of the the characteristics of uh, how they acquire customers, their repeat customers, and then we'll look at some of the risk factors um, before we get into... Uh, the the bottom line for this company and and the outlook going forward Thanks to Handy for supporting The Motley Fool and Industry Focus. Uh, I recently enjoyed my first cleaning with a Handy professional, and it was an eye-opening experience for my wife and me. Uh, We previously never considered the idea of professional cleaners because of how particular we tend to be about our living space. But it took us not even five minutes to make the appointment, and unlike the cable company, that might give you a four- or six-hour window for their arrival. The cleaner was right on time, not to mention super accommodating and thorough going through every inch of our place. And After she finished, it felt like we traveled back in time to when we first moved into the apartment and it was so clean. Handy makes it incredibly easy to book home cleanings on your schedule, right from the app or website. Just tell them how many bedrooms and bathrooms you have, choose the date and time that suit your needs, and Handy will match you with one of their top-rated professionals, or you can check out their reviews and go with the pro of your choice. Handy offers clear, upfront pricing, so what you see is what you pay, and you do it right on the app or site so there's no run to the ATM or rummaging around for your checkbook. And All Handy services are backed by the Handy Happiness Guarantee. If you're not satisfied with the quality of your service, then Handy will send another pro at no. No charge for your next booking to get it right. Get your first three-hour cleaning for just thirty-nine dollars when you sign up for a plan. Visit handy.com/fool and use promo code FOOL during checkout. Recurring charge terms and conditions apply, which are outlined on the site. Again, that's handy.com/fool. And promo code FOOL to get your first three-hour cleaning for just thirty-nine dollars. All right, so let's move on now. Um, it's kind of our final uh, segment for the show, and I wanted to mention. some really encouraging figures, um, what the company considers some of their key performance indicators in terms of the growth and the progress that they're making, and why investors, uh, as for a long time, for Amazon, for example, the market was very forgiving in terms of its lack of profitability, but the incredible growth it showed. Customer loyalty is a big part of that. Rapid growth is a big part of that. You've spoken to the incredible growth they've seen that they've recorded in the past year, in the most recent quarter. Um, just to give you an idea, most recently, active customers grew 34% for them year-over-year year year for the second quarter. Um, and They're seeing orders per customer in the trailing 12-month period at about 1.82, averaging out. And In terms of the satisfaction that a customer has shopping with Wayfair, it bears out in their repeat customer orders, making up two thirds of all their orders. So clearly, people are satisfied enough with the experience to come back to make up two thirds of those orders and make multiple orders in a trailing 12-month period. So I think there's some very compelling uh, direction there in terms of what uh, what those key performance indicators tell us in terms of this story. We haven't quite seen uh, a bigger company with a lot of resources, fully push their weight into the space to compete. And I'm curious if there's anything you're looking for that might signal a red flag for you to investors.
1: One of the things which uh, investors should focus on, in terms of risks, is how Wayfair acquires its customers. It's gone more uh, and more heavily into marketing and TV advertising, and it also spends quite a bit of money on paid search. Um, this according to a recent Forbes article, between 2016 and 2017, if you look at the total of paid searches that relate to this home furnishings industry, um, Wayfair's searches resulting in a Wayfair um, result doubled, from more than doubled, from 6% to 13%. So, Wayfair held a 13% share in all paid branded searches. But, branded searches where a user inputs The term they want to see. That's where Vince types in Wayfair, um, so he can get to the site and maybe order another um, piece of furniture. That only counts for nine percent of Wayfair traffic. If you compare that to some well-known retail competitors, which have uh, deep pockets to further their online operations, again, Williams uh, Sonoma, Sonoma, Restoration Hardware, two examples. Those companies are seeing. Sixty to seventy percent of what we call brand modified searches. So sixty percent of the to seventy percent of their traffic is coming from customers who are extremely loyal um, and recognizing that. Now, offsetting this is this growing customer loyalty. The statistic that Vince just cited, one point eight uh, orders in the last trailing twelve months per customer is a huge number when you're talking about items that are as big as a bed or a, you know a sofa, Um, or a chest of drawers. That's really impressive. The other key thing to to watch if you look at their investor presentations is how they're capturing this growing market share. I've seen some estimates that say that online home furnishings is growing at a rate as high as 18% annually. Um, The company itself says that's about a 15% expansion rate. And Last year in 2017, Wayfair's own statistics show that it took a quarter, a quarter of all growth in online home furnishing. So about four billion dollars of market expansion, the company snagged 1.0 billion out of that. I would watch that statistic going forward to see if it's continuing to grab market share at the same rate. Once Amazon and some of the other companies I mentioned finally get serious about competing with Wayfair, we may see many of these key performance indicators start to stag. Um, and I will uh, ask Vince to, to weigh in here. I want to return a little bit to, to um, later what those risk factors might look like in terms of a slowdown. But uh, main point is watch the key performance indicators, watch that market share, how much of it uh, it's grabbing. And if you really like to dig into those SEC filings, track the numbers that the company is paying for its paid search.
0: Thanks, Asit. Something that investors definitely have to consider too here is, and I think you spoke to this a little bit earlier, Asit, is the fact that this is definitely a company where you have to take a longer-term view in terms of the where they are in profitability. So the growth is there; we've seen that. Uh, but in the most recent quarter, there was a bit of a positive in that their EBITDA for the United States was in the black. I think around seven million dollars, uh, but Still in the red for the international operations as they gain scale. I'm um, curious what you think uh, in terms of that profitability number, how that changes how people lo- uh, have to look at the valuation, and what your thoughts are.
1: The, the number is positive from the perspective that uh, the biggest share of the market right now exists in the United States. Uh, lesser opportunity near term and a lot of opportunity long term exists in the UK, Germany, the rest of Europe, and in Canada. So, I really like that. Uh, one part thing that may affect profitability in the future is if the company has to start competing with Amazon. Amazon, I mentioned in 2017, they decided they wanted to get into this market in a bigger way. They've opened a couple of private label uh, stores. You may have heard of uh, brands like Rivet or Stone and Beam. These are new private label furnishings that Amazon is testing. Amazon is very famous for saying, your margin is my opportunity. It loves to disrupt businesses uh, and take the margin out, but we should flip that equation for a company like Wayfair, which is your lack of focus and your obsessiveness with winning on margin is our opportunity to curate and to build a loyal customer base. That's the flip side of that equation. Uh, one thing I will say about the valuation, it's really tough right now. The company doesn't have uh, true net, in, positive net income, so we always are looking at adjusted EBITDA numbers to gauge uh, what a cash burn might look like. Valuation is, is difficult. The company sells at a price-to-sales ratio of about one5 times, which is not too overvalued uh, as, as similar companies go. I will point out, though, that if you glance at Enterprise value to EBITDA. So, enterprise value, uh, just short definition, is the total value of the company, uh, all its assets and liabilities together, then adding the market capitalization. So, what it's worth out in the, the real world in the stock market. That ratio, EV to EBITDA, is negative 50 times. And that's because when you stop adjusting EBITDA and just simply look at EBITDA earnings before interest, taxes, depreciation, and amortization, the company has lost about $237 million on the last trailing 12 months. Now, I mentioned at the beginning of the show that with its 25% gross profit, it can stay cash flow positive and slowly, as Vince pointed out, those margins are improving a bit. I don't think the company is in trouble, but again, if Amazon really starts to compete, how it will affect Wayfair is, Wayfair will have to go to the markets and either raise money through a debt offering or more stock. If it takes on more debt, that drives interest expense up, which ultimately uh, hurts net income on a gap basis and also gives uh, a more of a burden on having to just pay debt service. If it has to go to the public markets and issue more shares, well, that dilutes existing shareholders. Neither one of those is um, you know, a, a rosy outcome, but it's what Wayfair might have to do in the future to compete. So far, uh, it's been able to pretty much self-fund this growth, which is just another thing which makes Wayfair so attractive from an investment standpoint. But that's the biggest risk I see going forward. Any risks on your end that, that you're looking at, Vince?
0: Well, I'll just close out. Uh, you know, we started this show in terms of this idea, this theme of is the business Amazon-proof, and we see here an online, uh, in, in an online-focused retailer, uh, right in Amazon's strongest kind of uh, their their strongest field of play, and they're still doing incredibly well by specializing and by making uh, the investment, the right investments to address, I think, what are the biggest pain points for not only the supplier side, uh, you know, the beauty. In this case, with Warefra, I don't know if we made this clear earlier, in that they don't carry the inventory that comes directly from their 10,000 suppliers. So they don't have to deal with the headaches of holding that inventory. Um, and when they build out this infrastructure, this warehousing, this distribution network, it's really focused in terms of okay, maybe the supplier's most popular products, we store those in our. Castlegate warehouses and the big point behind that is so that we can get it to customers quickly um, definitely uh, a strength there and the big question mark kind of what you mentioned is is we just haven't seen companies big companies whether they have a brick-and-mortar core like IKEA or you know the uh, the Amazon threat that we bring up so often really, really throw their weight into this space yet. You know, $6 billion of revenue for Wayfair, incredible growth, but that's still not at the scale of some of the bigger companies out there. Not to mention a company like even Walmart or Target deciding that this is a space they want to get into more. They see that it's possible as they build out their own distribution and fulfillment capabilities. Um, so That's always a question mark, but we have these benchmarks, these indicators, and different things to follow. Um, with the growth of this company, and to, can jump out to us uh, as investors to determine, okay, maybe uh, the profitability needs to come sooner, or they need to do a better job of holding off the competition. Um, those are my final thoughts. I'm curious, any anything else that you'd like to mention, Asset?
1: Just one. I like this stock. Uh, I love this uh, Motley Full recommendation. Uh, if you're interested in taking a position, this is a great one, just to build. Uh, over uh, you know a few quarters or a few years. You don't have to, to buy the whole position you want today, since we've outlined these competitive risks. Uh, just keep your eye on this stock. Uh, and it may be that because this one type of item, large ticket furnishings, it's just so hard to master, as we've said, from the customer service uh, viewpoint, the logistics, the delivery, uh, maybe no one ultimately really wants to, to compete that hard with Wayfair. It's a very persuasive investment. Um, you can take your time building the position.
0: All right, thank you very much, Asit. Um, that's all for us today on Wayfair Fools. People in the program may own companies discussed in the show, and the Molly Fool may have formal recommendations for or against any stocks mentioned. So don't buy or sell anything based only on what you hear during the program. hold on.